Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Skin and Roll Network. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. Uh, took a week off last week because uh, COVID kicked my ass, if I'm being honest. I uh, went to Vegas, caught COVID. Uh, there's a lot of things I'd recommend to do in Vegas. Wouldn't recommend that. Uh, isolated in a hotel room for a week. Uh, watched a lot of TV, but... Uh, I was recovering last week. We are back this week. And listen, I caught COVID, uh, struggled through it, recovered. And the Lakers are basically in the exact same spot that they were before I even had COVID when it comes to Kyrie Irving, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, all that. So news is a little slow. So uh, I thought we'd mix things up this week and brought in uh, for our guest this week, my good friend, writer over at Clips Nation, Justin Russo. Justin, how has the uh, the Clippers offseason been? Because uh, the Lakers has been really, really slow, aside from one day, basically, at the start of free agency. Uh, it's been pretty successful and basically kind of what you would expect for them. Um, the good news is from, you know, I mean, well, actually, I shouldn't even say the good news. Honestly, they got something in common with you. Jason Preston caught COVID in Vegas too, baby. So you got that in common. You got that in common with the Clippers second round uh, pick from last year, who is trying to get his NBA career kickstarted now, but you know, so I'm glad you're feeling better from COVID. Cause that is a uh, man from talking to you. It wasn't going well for a little while there. It was not a great, it was not a great time in Vegas. I mean, in hindsight, I probably should have expected it because everybody, uh, went to Vegas at the exact same time for Summer League. And fair enough, uh, a number of us that were together uh, caught COVID, but we survived. It, it was rough. We survived. But as I said, I did a podcast the day, basically, I, I started getting symptoms talking about Kyrie Irving and comparing that to a Buddy Heel and Miles Turner trade. And here we are, two weeks later. And that's still kind of the main topic about the Lakers offseason. We're going to talk about that, but I, I kind of wanted to first, since we have you on and whatnot, just kind of talk about the, the Clippers offseason compared to the Lakers, where the two franchises are right now, because in a lot of ways, they're on very different kind of trajectories right now. The, the Clippers have built something a lot more sustainable than the Lakers have, and where the Lakers seem to be rebuilding every year. Uh, the Clippers are just kind of adding pieces around a core. How uh, I'm trying to think of the word here, I guess almost like calming or reassuring is it to to have kind of a, a main team, a, a, a coach, a front office, all kind of on the same page and just kind of adding the, the ancillary pieces around that each summer. Well, considering where the franchise was 10 years ago, this is kind of a weird, yeah. a weird era of the, of the team where you go and do the offseason. You're like, all right, I know I know what to expect, because 10 years ago, even five years ago, to some degree, five years ago, you kind of knew things would change every offseason. Uh, but this offseason, like nothing really changed. I mean, 
Nicholas Batum resigned. That seemed like a foregone conclusion from the get-go. Uh, two years, twenty-two and a half million. Uh, they re-signed Amir Coffee, which seemed like a foregone conclusion the whole time. Three years, eleven million, which I feel like is a steal considering the impact he had last year. And then you know, I guess the big news for the Clippers this offseason is that they signed John Wall. They used the taxpayer mid-level exception, two years, thirteen point three million, and the second year of that deal is a complete team option which I, I guess in some way might not be the biggest thing, but it, it is pretty staggering that John Wall gave the Clippers a team option on the second year rather than either getting a fully guaranteed or having the player option for himself. So, you know, I mean, you look at the team, they have 14 players on guaranteed contracts. They have one two-way contract uh, spot left because they gave their second round pick Musa Diabate a two-way contract the other day. So the roster's pretty much what it's going to be, barring some, you know, trade that comes down the pipeline, which doesn't seem like they're going to make one unless they get incredible value. But other than that, this is the team you'll likely see on opening night. Which, again, just comparing the two, this doesn't feel like the Lakers team that you're going to see on opening night. And it there obviously uh, is something with Russ still has to be done. Uh I want to talk a little bit about John Wall because obviously he was a name Lakers fans got very familiar with over the last six months or so. Uh, He was the name mentioned maybe most often in a Russell Westbrook trade, eventually was bought out, which is kind of why the Lakers didn't want him because you're not really sure what you're going to get with him. When I wrote about it, he's played 40 games total since 2018 what are the the expectations for him because he just seems like such a an unknown commodity 40 games in 3 years and hasn't played in over a year yeah it's insane it's it's kind of crazy to look at what John Wall was you know before he tore his Achilles and what's happened to him since then um as far as what to expect and what i think he can be i i, I view him more and i'm sure this will have this will fluctuate throughout the season, but I've kind of viewed him more as the best version of a backup point guard where he can change the pace of the team. He fits in with the guys on the bench, you know, because with Kawhi and PG, those guys are going to have the ball so much. I don't know how much, you know, how much sense it makes having John start next to them rather than Reggie, you know, I mean, John Wall's not a great catch and shoot three point guy, but He's been about 38.5% in the player tracking era on catch and shoot threes, which is which is good. It's not high quality. And a lot of his threes are not catch and shoot threes. They're off the dribble threes, which is why his three point percentage is always like pretty low in the low 30s. Um the safe thing for me to say is I do not know what player John Wall is right now. And yeah. I think people are kidding themselves if they if they think that he's gonna come close to the form he was once at. Or if they think he's just not going to be any type of helpful player. I just don't think anyone knows. And I think it's okay to not know. Um, Everything I've seen from him from the offseason, he said the right things, which is a nice way to go about it. It's always good when you say the right things when you get to a new team. Um, And from there, we'll see. There's going to be a point guard competition for the starting spot in camp between him and Reggie Jackson. I don't know if people remember this, but many years ago, when John Wall was trying to get a contract extension with the Washington Wizards, he said Reggie Jackson's name because Reggie Jackson got, I believe, four years, $80 million 
from the Detroit Pistons. But apparently, according to John Wall, that that has been completely smoothed over and was smoothed over right after he made the comment all those years ago. He's a good friend of Paul George, so I don't know. This kind of feel the Clippers feel like the buddy buddy team. Everyone's friends with everybody, and and that's cool. But you got to see what it looks like on the court with John Wall, and and I, I, I you know the jury's out on him is, is how it goes. But anything they get from him is is a major plus because I view it strictly from the standpoint of. Even if you were to take John Wall out, this team is 13 players deep. And and if if you take out the two guys, Brandon Boston and Jason Preston, they're 11 deep of guys who, who are legitimate rotation guys. So by thrusting John Wall in there, he's taking minutes from other guys. And if he's not, if he doesn't have a certain nice tie, Ty, Ty Lue's just not going to play him. Like that's just, that's just how it goes. So, you know, I don't know what to expect with John Wall. I'm expect, I, I hope, you know, from a coverage standpoint, he is good. I could see where he's not so good, but I also have no idea in hell how this is going to go. So he played on the day after Christmas, uh, December 26, 2018. Uh, That was his last game of that season, 2018-2019 season. Didn't play the following season because of that injury. He had a slip and fall in his house and tore his Achilles right after Christmas, which is absurd. Yeah, and so he didn't play that season. Comes back with Houston last year, eventually uh, plays 40 games. Seemed like Houston sat him down because he was playing too well, and they had uh, other plans in mind. And uh, that's, but that's been it. It, or it was, yeah, 2020, 2021 is when that happened. And then last season he sat out. So he's played 40 games since basically Christmas of 2018. I got to say, it is very frustrating to see the Clippers as this buddy-buddy team because I don't disagree. Every time they sign someone of relevance, it seems like, oh, they're good friends with such and such. I hate it as a, as a Lakers fan. I think nothing has uh, – well, maybe not nothing because there's a lot, of, a lot of things. One of the things that has signified how just out of touch the Lakers – are right now is just those emails that leaked with Jeannie Buss just referring to the Clippers as or Steve Ballmer as balls and whatever all that nonsense where they just weren't taking this Clippers team seriously. Meanwhile, they have built into something the Lakers could like only wish they could become. Uh, there was the story I, I kind of revisited a lot of the stuff with Ty Lue um, this past spring. Because there was a story about how annoyed he was about how those negotiations played out and how badly the Lakers mishandled it. Because in reality, if the Lakers didn't just completely lowball him, he would be the head coach. Well, he would have been the head coach. Lord knows what the Lakers would have done. Uh, They might have fired him by this point. But he would have been the Lakers head coach, uh, which is a kind of a sliding doors moment because he goes to the Clippers and things are... um, in terms of the franchises are, are a lot better off with the Clippers right now. You look at the DraftKing odds. Uh, I wrote about this for the Lakers and just kind of how Kyrie Irving uh, impacts those odds for the Lakers. But the championship odds right now, the Clippers are the second have the second best odds. Celtics are plus 500. The Clippers and Warriors are plus 600. The Bucks are plus 700. The Suns are plus 800. And the Lakers are plus eleven hundred. 
I mean, you mentioned 10 years ago, you never knew what to expect with an offseason. 10 years ago, did you ever expect to be considered the second odds-on favorites for the NBA title coming into a season? Never. That that would have been that would have been good enough for for a Clippers fan base <laughs> ten years ago, uh, but but time, times have most certainly changed in the last decade. What has just? I mean, it feels like Ty Lue's kind of instilled this culture. It's one thing I, I talked about with the Lakers so much is that when it came to Frank Vogel, there was never this buy-in with the front office with the head coach to create this culture. Hopefully, it's there with Darvin Ham. I mean, what's that been like for the Clippers the last few years? Because it really seems like there's a culture there with Ty Lue kind of at the center of it. The best way to sum up the culture, like honest to God, is part of the reason John Wall picked the Clippers is because of what he heard from his former Kentucky teammates. And those former Kentucky teammates were DeMarcus Cousins and Eric Bledsoe. Now, to re- for those who don't know, DeMarcus Cousins was on the Clippers uh, two years ago, when they lost to the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals, DeMarcus Cousins was essentially the third string center. <laughs> Ended up becoming a pretty important part. Because, I totally forgot he was there. Yeah, if you if you really want to get a deep dive, he was the guy guarding the inbounds pass on the Valley Oop. So, oh, well, yeah, I to- I remember that, but I do I totally forgot Boogie was there. So DeMarcus was there that year. They obviously trade for Eric Bledsoe last year. Uh, to kind of do like a consolidation trade with Rondo and Beverly to get Bledsoe. And Bledsoe shipped out near the trade deadline in a deal that gets them Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Now, the reason I give the backstory on that is DeMarcus Cousins was on the Clippers for like two months, maybe three months. Eric Bledsoe was on the Clippers for, you know, four months and was a backup, got taken out of the starting lineup, became a backup point guard, and then gets traded. DeMarcus Cousins didn't get re-signed. And these two raved about the Clippers to John Wall, a team that they are not on, a team that chose to either give them away or not bring them back. And I think that says a lot about the culture that Ty has built, specifically Ty, because even in the Doc era, I don't think the culture was like this. I think there was, mm-hmm. and it's been reported you, you know, over the years, like guys were at odds with each other. There was all this animosity. It doesn't seem that is happening with this team. Now, if you go through another year or two where you don't win a title or, you know, you under, into some degree underperform, whether, you know, that's through injuries or whatever, maybe that starts the animosity and the difference in culture. But there does seem to be a thing there with Ty because – Everyone who talks about him from a player to a front office standpoint says he will tell you the truth and he doesn't care about your feelings. And at a certain point, you just have to accept it. And once you accept it, you fully buy in. So it's Mm. been, it's been, and just talking to Ty this past year and a half, incredible person to talk to. I completely understand why players buy in just from talking to him. So it makes a lot of sense. I also think it helps. And I don't mean to compare him and doc rivers here, but it's the only thing to do. I do think it helps that there is, a coach at the helm who has won a title in the last, you know, decade or so. <laughs> it, like it doesn't hurt. It doesn't like you're you're not losing. Like the game has evolved so much that I don't think Doc was the right guy for the message anymore. But because Ty is one of the guys who helped the game evolve, I think guys get it and I think they buy in for that. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the to have that ability to be honest, like you said, Tyloo is, and, and tell guys the truth. It, it requires also a certain amount of backing from the front office to to empower him to do that and to believe that um, he's going to make the right decisions in those situations. And I, I think that's kind of, again, to, to harp on the point a little bit, that's been the thing that's been missing for the Lakers is just the kind of the unified voice that if if Frank Vogel says something, that's what's going to happen. That hasn't been that that was never the case when when one, he was with one the of Lakers. the funniest things. One of the funniest things from this past year, to be completely honest, was in a post game interview. I think it was. I think it was post game. I don't remember what game, but I vividly remember this. Ty gets asked, you know, you have all these guys who want minutes and when the team is healthy next year, you know, cause all through last season, they weren't healthy. But when you, when you guys are healthy next year, and you have all these guys who want minutes. How do you kind of manage the rotations and the egos of guys, you know, who do want to play? And he, he kind of just deadpans in only the way that Ty could and just goes, well, guys are not just going to have to play some nights and they're just going to have to get over it. And he he gives this scoff and goes, I don't know what else to say. It's like, okay. Like, yeah, like that's just how it's going to have to be. Like they're adults. They have to get over it. Yeah. Frank Vogel. I mean, it's also a personality thing. Frank Vogel, I don't think would ever say something like that, but it, it it's two different situations right now with the franchises where Clippers are sitting back. All their work's basically done. They are, they have a, a really, really good team, as you said, 13, 14 guys deep. Whereas the Lakers, I'm not sure how deep <laughs> they're too deep for sure. After that, I don't really know. And that this is the same thing as it was last year where they were, I mean, at the time we thought they were three deep with, uh, with Russ and that clearly went awry. And that's kind of a good transition period to, I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on the Russ and the Kyrie and the buddy and all that situation, because uh, I know I'm certainly guilty of kind of being in the, in the news cycle so much that um, it's just just nice to get a kind of an outsider's look at things. And just the, the big holdup right now is that the Lakers don't want to include a second first round pick in really any Russ trade. And whether it is for Kyrie, whether it is for Buddy and Miles Turner, um, the idea to me has always kind of been it's going to take one first round pick to get off Russ's contract. It's going to take another first round pick to get any kind of value in return. So just kind of looking at that specifically with a Kyrie trade, I mean, do you agree with the Lakers not wanting to give up two first round picks to swap? Russ for Kyrie what what's kind of your take on on how that has played out I mean my take is basically in alignment with you which is because he makes 47 million dollars whether or not he's an expiring contract because he makes 47 million dollars Russell Westbrook is going to be a tax burden for any team that acquires him specifically the Brooklyn Nets in this case because he does make so much more money it's like 11 million dollars more than Kyrie Irving or something right so That's that's a heft, and the Nets are already into the tax, and I believe they might be possibly a repeater team. I don't know. I'm I'm almost certain they are. They've been way into the tax for quite a while. So, 
even even if they're not a repeater team, you're eleven. That's eleven million dollars more into the tax that you have to pay, which you know, based on tax calculations, could be like fifty million dollars at that point, or if not, vastly more. So, giving up a one first round pick to swap Russ for Kyrie is a home run of the highest order. But I don't think it's I, I don't think it's a practical home run. I think you have to give up two because of the reason that you said, like one to get off Russ, one to bring the talent in. I think that is the likeliest kind of scenario because whether or not we deem that like, cause we look at it and we go, what's well, a $47 million expiring contract. I'm sure teams would love to have that. I'm sure they would, but they also have to take into account fair or not luxury tax, whether or not they're going to be a team that could, you know, deal with the burden of having Russ or even buying them out or anything like that. So personally, if the deal is for Kyrie Irving, who as a player is leaps and bounds better than Russell Westbrook and a massively more competent fit alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis and boosts the Lakers title odds, even if by 3%, that's still a massive boost considering where they're at now based on odds and stuff like that. I think you do it because at the end of the day, your window is LeBron James. Um, I feel like if you don't maximize the time you have with LeBron, you're kind of just, you know, you're not really, you're doing yourself a disservice at that point. I understand the Lakers point and and the side that they're trying to play, which is if we can give up one, we'll do it. But if we give up two, then we can't really trade anything else to improve the roster, which is very fair. And I completely understand it. But if you're going from Russ to Kyrie, I think you do it. And and I kind of just think you think, Thank everything, you know, every deity that you believe in that the Brooklyn Nets are kind of in a corner where they don't really want to bring Kyrie Irving back. And you're taking advantage of that situation. Yeah, just the idea that Russ for Kyrie in any form is on the table makes no sense. It's astounding. Yeah, having watched the two play even last season for the, the limited amount of time Kyrie played, but I that's where I kind of stand in that that's such a massive upgrade that it's hard to argue not giving up the second first round pick. Now, it seems like the Lakers want to instead include THT, Kendrick Nunn, some version of that um, to try to bring in maybe take an extra salary, whether it's Joe Harris. Uh, that was one of the holdups is whether the team uh, wanted to – the Lakers basically don't want Joe Harris back, um, which was discussed plenty at the time. I, I don't necessarily disagree because if you look long-term, Joe Harris isn't somebody that typically – that type of player, that type of archetype doesn't ex- succeed in the playoffs. But at the same time, the Lakers weren't even a play-in team last year. So it's hard to be making playoff arguments when you weren't even in the postseason last year. So. Um, they're kind of navigating this this weird line right now. I do ultimately also think that part of this is a negotiating ploy. There is no, like, there's all the time in the world right now. Um, for the Lakers, the deadline's more or less the start of training camp. I just can't see them bringing Russ into training camp, especially with how he left with the exit interview, which... I reference that all the time. One of just the most bizarre interviews I've ever watched sitting there 
in that Zoom meeting, listening to him just blame everybody under the sun but himself just was the least self-aware thing I I have heard any NBA player say in a long time. I just don't I, – I never have thought that you could bring him back after that, um, no matter what Darvin Ham is saying as well. So the fact that, as I said, this is on the table is wild. The Nets are a repeater tax team. This is their third year in the luxury tax uh, the gist of that is basically every dollar they spend is going to cost somewhere between $2.50 to up to as much as $4.25, maybe even more than that, depending on how much they spend, what their final salary, uh, total salary is. But yeah, that matters. That's why they want the Lakers to t- take Joe Harris back in the trade as well, because if they take Joe Harris and Kyrie for Russ, they're saving money in the deal. Um, that's the big reason why they want that, because if they're trading away Kyrie, then they're trading away their chances at being a title contender already. And that's not even taking into account any Kevin Durant trade as well. So it, it's just this interesting situation. I, I Like I said, I think it's a negotiating ploy right now. I, I think once we get closer to um, training camp, I could see the Lakers kind of bending on their insistence to not include a second first round pick uh, because I, I just can't see it as a, it's an untenable situation with, with Russ and everybody he's thrown under the bus. And Lord knows that the summer league where LeBron and Russ stared at each other from across the court was probably the shining example of how far things have fallen between those two. Um, so it's an interesting situation the Lakers are in also because they're, I don't know if this is them trying to call the Nets bluff. I don't know how serious it is, but they they also have this idea that they could go get Buddy and Miles Turner as well. It, um, maybe not as well, but um, instead of going after Kyrie. And that was one of the more recent rumors that that trade is dead right now because again, shocker, the Lakers don't want to include a second first round pick uh, to get Buddy and Miles Turner. Now that one, I I'm less shocked by because that's a lot to give up for Buddy and Miles Turner as two first round picks. Um, that being said, that's the the Lakers need lots of quality players right now, and that is two quality players. What are your thoughts on? on whether I mean, do you think the Lakers should give up two first round picks to bring in a, a buddy and Miles Turner package? So it's interesting, right? Because like going back to Joe Harris, one of the reasons I could see the Lakers not being interested in Joe Harris is because they don't want to ruin cap space for the next offseason. And you know, Westbrook isn't expiring, LeBron's an expiring, you know, everyone on their team's an expiring contract, really, except for Anthony Davis. And I think Taylor Horton Tucker has a player option. So yeah. like, the, the, so I get it. I get why you don't want to jeopardize calf space, but then you look at the, at, at the Pacers deal. And it's like, you're bringing in a guy, miles Turner, who I would assume you resign, you know, he's going to be a free agent after this coming season, but I assume you resign, but yes, he does have injury issues. I wrote about him as someone the Clippers might look at. And then apparently they did look at, you know, briefly on the trade market. Um, it's just that he's, kind of not healthy a lot like he 
I think he's only played like half the games that he's ever been el- like that he's been eligible for four for like the last four or five years. It's a pretty staggering number. Like him and Malcolm Brogdon were just basically like walking, you know, that they, they, they just were always in street clothes because they were hurt, which isn't, you know, I'm not trying to say that as, as a, as a bad thing about them. It's just, the, it was just the way it was. Buddy healed though. The reason I brought up Joe Harris is because buddy healed, I think is a lot more palatable for the Lakers than Joe Harris is. So Buddy Heald's deal runs out after next, after uh, not this coming season, but the one after. So 2023-24 is his last deal. And it is a, a de-escalating contract. It declines in value. Um, for that, I could see why the Lakers would be interested in that. So to me, it comes down to, do I believe that they have to give up a first round pick to get off Russell Westbrook? The answer is yes. Do I believe that they need to give up a second first to get both healed and Turner. Honestly, in my opinion, if I was trying to construct what I want a LeBron James team to look like, I would give up the second first round pick simply because buddy healed is probably one of the perfect archetypes around LeBron as a spacer and movement shooter. And miles Turner, while he isn't a great three point shooter, his floor spacing ability his rim protection. Those are the types of guys who could flourish around LeBron. I'm not saying he'll be Chris Bosh, but I'm saying he, he will kind of replicate the archetype that Chris Bosh was. He's obviously not the kind of player that Chris Bosh was. Chris Bosh was a really great player, but you put Heald and Turner in there alongside LeBron and AD. Is that team better than the one that they have now? Yes. That team is just drastically better. Do I think that team competes for a title? Probably not. But I also think that's the discussion that should be had. I think at the end of the day, if they're talking about giving up a second pick, a second first round pick, whether or not it's unprotected or not, either way, I feel like if the choices are Buddy Heald and Miles Turner and Kyrie Irving, probably go the Kyrie Irving route. And if the Nets are just real sticklers and they're just like, you have to take Joe Harris, you have to jump through all these hoops, then you can pivot. But for the Lakers, for the sole purpose of this next season, I I kind of think you got to do something. I think they're fine with either deal. I think the Kyrie deal is, 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 is better for them because let's not forget August 4th is a LeBron James contract extension date. And you know, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that LeBron's a stickler, but he has made it known throughout his career that he wants certain things to go his way, and what he says does matter. Yeah. I remember vividly when he was in Miami, he talked up draft prospects; they would draft him, shout and then Norris Cole. Shout out Norris Cole, and then he did it in Cleveland because I remember he talked up uh, Colin Sexton. They drafted Colin Sexton with that Nets pick, and then LeBron was gone. So, you know, I mean. I, I think LeBron can make it very tough on the Lakers if when August 4th rolls around, he's like, yeah, I'd love to sign the extension. I would also like a little bit more help. Mm-hmm. And if he leans on him enough, maybe he gets it. And that could dictate how the next at least five years of Lakers basketball goes. LeBron is going to use that extension as leverage, like 100%. He's going to, he wants Kyrie. That's very. I mean, that's that's clear. Um, every bit of reporting has indicated he wants Kyrie. And uh, 
Now, at the same time, the Lakers have signed like 15 clutch guys this summer. So, like, uh, you would think the relationship there is pretty good. Um, but the, LeBron is still going to leverage that as much as he can because that that's what LeBron has done throughout his career is use his contract as leverage. He's been pretty nice to the Lakers relative to what he did to the Cavaliers and not repeatedly signing these one plus one deals to make the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs had to continually go all in. Uh, I mean, they went to however many finals in a row, so it, it wasn't all bad, but the Cavs had to repeatedly go all in because he was holding them hostage basically with his contract he did the Lakers a really big solid with his last contract extension that I would be absolutely stunned if he ever does that again, because the Lakers front office has certainly not earned that benefit of the doubt again. Uh, I would, I would kind of expect some more one plus one deals now, but he's going to use that August 4th deadline. I, I looked over and that is uh, next Thursday, not this upcoming Thursday. Next Thursday is that, when that date comes in, if if Kyrie Irving isn't a Laker by then, then you're gonna you're gonna hear about it basically. So uh, that date is looming. It's gonna be interesting to see. You mentioned Miles Turner's health. Uh, last three seasons, he has played 151 of 227 possible games. That's almost exactly two thirds uh, of the games that he could play. The last two seasons have been the ones that he's been really hurt. He played 47 of 72 games in 2020, 2021, and then just 42 of 82 last season. Uh, I do think some of that maybe at the tail end was them tanking. Uh, I think he might've been able to come back, but it wouldn't have changed things too much. He missed a good chunk of the year. He's different than um, really anything the Lakers have on the roster. He's kind of a combination of, some of the bigs they have, he's, I mean, when he's healthy, he, he is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Rudy Gobert might be the only guy better than him. Um, and he has that ability to stretch the floor. Uh, he's a 34.9% three point shooter. Uh, you take out his, uh, first year it, it where he really struggled. It, it goes up significantly, Last couple, last five seasons, he's a 35.1% three-point shooter. So maybe not significantly, but he's he's respectable. 35% for a big man is respectable. Um, Buddy's the one that I don't know LeBron's ever had a shooter that would have the type of gravity Buddy would have. Uh, he's had guys, Kyle Corvers, Mike Miller, uh, even Ray Allen, um, He's had some guys like that, but nobody kind of in their prime like Buddy is. Again, though, the same concerns are there that I'm sure are there with Joe Harris and that that archetype doesn't necessarily hold up in the playoffs. Buddy isn't a great defender. He isn't a great playmaker. He's a a pretty one-dimensional guy, but you're also playing with someone in LeBron James that can – make that one dimension work for the entirety of the playoffs as we've seen uh, for years and years in in Cleveland. So it's kind of this mixed bag. The Lakers also believe that they can trade for Kyrie and potentially Buddy Heald. They seem to have the idea that THT, a package around THT 
would be enough to get Buddy healed? I really, really doubt that. I know Buddy's contract isn't great, but it's not like I don't think the Pacers are that desperate to get off of him. Now, the other name mentioned in that was Eric Gordon. I do think THT for Eric Gordon, something built around that makes sense for both teams, especially with Houston rebuilding. That might be a little bit down the road. I really like Eric Gordon, and I'm surprised a contender hasn't picked him up yet. It's just going to be interesting because, again, kind of comparing these two teams, the Lakers are in all this chaos. The Clippers are sitting back. How many years, I mean, you were a Clippers fan forever. How many years were the tables turned with the Clippers in chaos and the Lakers just sitting back with title contenders? It's got to be nice. I mean, you can gloat a little bit. It's got to be nice to watch the Lakers in this chaos while you're just sitting back enjoying uh, the Clippers being a a well-constructed team. It's weird that the – like, I I, I mean this. Like, it really is strange that the Clippers have pretty much no drama surrounding them and the Lakers have all the drama surrounding them because, as you said, for many years it was quite the reverse – and it was always like you would wake up every day going, all right, what are the Clippers going to do today? Like what's <laughs> going to come out today? And so I remember that um, with the Lakers. I mean, I got to be honest, like in a vacuum, I feel like the Lakers have had a good off season. I do like the guys they've signed. I like Lonnie Walker. I like Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown Jr. Juan Toscano Anderson, like them all. I think Max, Max Christie was a good pick. I like the two guys they got on two way deals. It's a very good offseason for the Washington Wizards. And I, and, I, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to the Wizards, but like that's the offseason I would expect the Washington Wizards to have. Not the Los Angeles Lakers and not the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and not the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James in a title window. So it almost feels, maybe this is wrong, it almost feels like what they've done if they don't make a trade, if they bring Russ back, first off, I'll be shocked. I don't think you can bring him back. I think it's completely untenable. But if they bring him back, to me, it's a lot like those final Kobe years where you had guys around him that like in a vacuum were fine, but the team was just never going to be whatever you needed it to be. And and I don't want to see that. Like LeBron's arguably the greatest player in the history of the NBA. For my two cents, the greatest player I've ever seen personally play a multitude of their career. It kind of sucks as a basketball fan to see that this could be the end of his careers, like somewhat in, in terms of like a competing sense for titles, if nothing happens. And I think for the for the world of basketball, that sucks. Like you should want LeBron in the playoffs. You should want to see LeBron, you know, up on the biggest stages competing against other all-timers because that's what sports are all about. And I really hope from an actual sports standpoint, the Lakers don't blow it. And I hope they, they find a way to get him someone next to him as a second, you know, no disrespect to Anthony Davis, but Kyrie to me would be the second guy next to LeBron more than AD would, or, you know, with miles and buddy, like the, the three and four guys kind of, so to speak, like, he deserves a chance to go out on his shield. And I feel like the Lakers have kind of not allowed to do 
not allowed him to do that over the last year or so. I will say at least partially to blame is LeBron because he did want Russ, yeah. but you're yeah. not wrong there. The Lakers have mismanaged assets for years and years, basically since the moment they won the title, they've mismanaged assets, uh, the whole step along the way to where they get to a, a summer like this. Like you said, all the argument you just made isn't wrong. And it's also probably the argument for Kyrie Irving in this scenario because the Lakers with Kyrie Irving would still have a lot of flaws, but the Lakers with Kyrie, LeBron, and AD give you a chance at a title. And as you said, I think the Lakers owe it to LeBron to do that. We'll see if, if they feel the same. We'll see if if they think that um, it's worth it to to make that maybe one last push for a title with LeBron, Kyrie, and AD, even if it totally mortgages your future along the way. Unfortunately, I don't know when this sock is going to end because we've been talking about this for the better part of a month now, uh, almost a month. It, it was right before free agency started that the, the Durant stuff started uh, or the trade request came. I guess Kyrie was the week leading up to that. So it's been almost a month talking about Kyrie to the Lakers. Unfortunately, we have about a month and a half left until training camp starts, and that seems like the only deadline right now. It's going to be interesting to follow. Justin, I thank you a ton for coming on today to talk about the Lakers, and uh, I hope I allowed you enough time to gloat and uh, about how well the Clippers are doing. Uh, I wish you guys the best during the regular season, <laughs> not when they're playing the Cl- the Lakers. And then I hope for another first round exit, but thanks again for coming on, bud. No problem, man. Uh, just as a reminder, Ty Lue has not lost to the Lakers as Clippers head coach. So, all right, that's I enough am- of you. We are done here and we are heading out. Uh, we will be back uh, or I will be back next week to hopefully talk about something other than Kyrie Irving. So be sure you guys are subscribed and talk to you next week.